Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum Speaker Webinar Series and Podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Ali Afone, a senior fellow at the Arab Gulf States Institute in Washington and author, join us to discuss Iran's crisis, what's next, which options. Mr. Afone will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I will turn this, the discussion over to Mr. Ali Afone. Good afternoon to you all, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very, very much for your kind invitation and for providing me with this opportunity to uh, share my analysis with you. Uh, now, uh, Iran has got a new president, and of course, everywhere in the world, uh, there is the expectation that with a new president comes a new policy, a new way of behavior that the United States must adapt to or try to persuade Iran to behave in a different way than what is anticipated under the new president. Uh, now, I uh, will try to explain to you uh, that a new president. Uh, may coincide with a new policy from Iran. But it is not necessarily because of the new president that Iran's behavior changes. Iran's behavior has been changing for some time, and that is because of more fundamental reasons, and these are structural uh, issues that I will be discussing with you. More specifically, I will be addressing four factors which I believe have been shaping Iran's changed behavior. Uh, after discussing these four factors, I will conclude the uh, presentation with some thoughts about what I expect Iran uh, to do in the coming uh, months and years. Now, going back to what factors change Iran's behavior, let's take a look at when the change uh, happens. Uh, Iran. Uh, was interested in reaching an understanding, a deal with the world, you know, uh, through the nuclear uh, um, uh, deal that the, that the Islamic Republic made with, with the world powers, the so-called uh, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA. Uh, however, at the same time, Iran was pursuing some regional objectives, which ran contrary to US interests. In those programs, Iran achieved almost 100% success. And if there is one factor which shapes behavior of states, that is victory in wars. Which wars? Well, first of all, Syria. Iran had a declared and uh, defined goal of preserving the Assad regime in Syria. And Iran achieved that goal in that country. Assad regime survived. Uh, his opponents uh, uh, lost the, the, the war effort. Uh, many, many civilians lost their lives. Many Moors were, became refugees, either in their own country or abroad. But Iran achieved its strategic objective in Syria. Uh, in Yemen, Iran had defined a different goal for itself. Through its Houthi allies, uh, Iran's objective was to deny a military or for that matter, a political victory to uh, countries like Saudi Arabia and the UAE, which got militarily entangled in the civil war in Yemen. Also, that objective was reached by Iran. So in other words, the strategic lesson learned by Iran was that Iran can engage in proxy warfare and can prevail in those wars. That's a very important lesson from the viewpoint of the Islamic Republic. 
The second lesson that Islamic Republic learned was that diplomacy not always works. After all, Iran had achieved an arrangement uh, with the United States government uh, under uh, President uh, uh, Obama. However, as soon as President Trump came to office, he began questioning, and even before that, he began questioning uh, the JCPOA and wanted the United States out. And, and indeed, the United States withdrew from the nuclear agreement so that the Islamic Republic could no longer benefit from uh, reaching the agreement in, in the first place. Uh, so that is a very important lesson that you cannot always trust diplomacy. You cannot always trust agreement that you reach with foreign powers. And not even when uh, those agreements are enshrined in United Nations Security Council uh, resolutions that the United States also was obliged by. Uh, the United States reinstituted the uh, sanctions regime and pursued uh, practically economic warfare against the Iranian regime. Uh, it was called the maximum pressure campaign. Now, remarkably, uh, the Islamic Republic managed to survive the maximum pressure campaign. Uh, despite the fact that Iran lost nearly 95% of its oil exports and oil revenue. However, the Islamic Republic managed to boost steel exports, copper exports, and some other commodities that Iran managed to export to compensate for the loss of the oil revenue. Now, this is a significant achievement, just as significant as victories in the wars in Syria and in Yemen, that you are fighting an economic war against the largest economy of the world, the sole surviving superpower, and the regime survived. Now, obviously, the Iranian public suffered, and they protested against the regime several times, but the regime managed to contain those protests and to suppress them effectively and at no point did the protesters manage to threaten the survival of the regime. Just as important, the Islamic Republic discovered that when people are hungry, uh, they cannot protest in an effective way and they cannot threaten the survival of the regime. It is usually when people are economically better off that they can plan a successful revolution and overthrow regimes. Now, the third factor which shaped the thinking of the uh, Islamic Republic uh, was that Iran tested the alliance of the United States uh, uh, with US Arab allies uh, in, in, in the Persian Gulf region. Uh, Iran could not uh, try to you know, change the, the behavior of the United States under the Trump administration. So it began attacking, uh, you know, pinpoint attacks against uh, United Arab Emirates and against Saudi Arabia. After all, these two countries were the most enthusiastic uh, uh, countries in the Middle East region when the Trump administration uh, withdrew from the JCPOA, from the nuclear agreement. Uh, and what did the United States do? Well, nothing. There was a muted response. After the Iranian missile, you know, cruise missile attack against the oil facilities in Saudi Arabia, President Trump was, was participating in, at a press conference, you know, along with the Crown Prince of Bahrain. And he was asked, Mr. President, what do you intend to do about Iran's attack against Saudi Arabia? And President Trump very, very clearly said, it was not us who were attacked, someone else was attacked. So in other words, very, very clearly, President Trump's 
illustrated that the United States was not willing to entangle itself in another Middle Eastern war for the sake of its Arab allies. Now, on the balance, Iran achieved something, and also there were certain things that it did not achieve. Those attacks did not make the United States change or uh, seize its maximum pressure campaign against Iran. Iran did also not manage to impact the global price of oil. You know, changes uh, did take place, you know, within the next, you know, 24 hours after the attack. But after that, you know, the price got back to normal. There was not so much demand for, for oil in the national, international market. However, the Islamic Republic demonstrated that the United States was not willing to fight in wars. So Iran's conclusion was that there is really no appetite for war in Washington. And the US Arab allies have been trying to repair their relations with Tehran ever since. Now the fourth and final lesson that Iran was probably reminded of, it was nothing new that Iran learned, was that uh, yes, they did mismanage the, the pandemic, yes. Uh, but poor people, sick people, people who are afraid of getting the disease, they do not constitute a lethal threat to the survival of the Islamic Republic. The regime was at no point threatened. Its existence was secured because of the repression mechanisms at the disposal of the regime, which means the police force, the besieged militia, and the revolutionary guards. And by the way, the scarce resources of the state could be attributed, could, could be uh, distributed selectively among regime supporters and keep the population in check. Uh, this is not a new lesson for the Islamic Republic, but the regime was reminded that uh, relative poverty of the people can be utilized uh, in order to, to enhance security and, and survival of the regime. Now, uh, ending my little presentation here, I would like to make a couple of uh, 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 statements concerning what I believe the Islamic Republic will be doing in, in, in the coming months and years. So first of all, do not expect Iran to coming uh, to the negotiation table with the United States as a beggar. The Islamic Republic uh, diplomats, they perceive themselves as winners who have managed to prevail in conflicts and have managed to uh, survive hardships of the past years. Uh, and they will not be giving any uh, concessions for free to the United States. Apart from that, uh, the Islamic Republic will also doubt sincerity of the United States government and ability of the United States government uh, to uh, change and dismantle the uh, uh, infrastructure of the sanctions regime, which prevent Iran from benefiting from a nuclear deal. So even if the United States returns to the JCPOA, there is no guarantee that the next administration will honor those obligations uh, of, of, of the current administration, the Biden administration. So they have difficulties trusting the US. They will not be giving in uh, uh, or giving easy concessions to the United States. Do not expect that. But do expect Iran uh, to try to uh, uh, strengthen those means that helped it prevail in the conflicts of the past years. First of all, expect Iran to invest more in uh, its uh, Revolutionary Guard and the Basij militia, particularly the Ghost Force which helped Iran prevail in 
uh, asymmetric warfare, proxy warfare outside of Iran. So the Quds Force will be financed more. Uh, the Revolutionary Guard besieged militia will be financed more to secure uh, the regime within Iran, within the cities. Uh, expect Iran to invest more in its cruise missile program, ballistic missile program, but also the drone program, which helped Iran attack pinpoint, engaging pinpointed attacks against US allies. Uh, and in general, expect Iran to uh, pursue a more I think we lost you on that last point. Hello? Yes, hello. Hey, sorry, we lost you on that last point. Could you make uh, that yes. again? Uh, yes, so so uh, uh, do forgive me if, if the internet is not working properly. I'm in a public space because of some issues. But conclude, to conclude my, my little presentation, uh, uh, expect Iran to engage in more confrontational behavior in the coming months and years. Uh, uh, and, and, and this is uh, uh, what I am expecting for the coming years. Uh, if there are questions, I will try to answer them to the best of my ability. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, we have quite a few questions coming in. Uh, we have a few questions regarding Afghanistan. Uh, Lev Citrin asked, how does America's flight from Afghanistan affect Iran's calculations and behaviors? Well, most importantly, uh, Iran's lessons, lesson learned from Afghanistan is that a neighboring country, Pakistan, has managed to wage a two decades long proxy warfare against the United States of America and managed to prevail in that war, managed to defeat the United States, not necessarily uh, in a military way, but managed to defeat America in a political way, managed to win in Washington, managed to change the opinion of the American people, managed to make Americans uh, uh, reach the conclusion that US presence in Afghanistan was more or less futile. Pakistan managed to do it. And at no point did the United States held Pakistan to responsibility uh, and is now leading Afghanistan. So the lesson learned to Iran The second lesson, obviously, is that, well, you know, one of the reasons why the United States is not punishing Pakistan a country which uh, provided a safe haven to a certain Mr. Osama bin Laden, uh, and a country which has been waging proxy warfare against the United States for the past 20 years, is that Pakistan is a nuclear power. So in other words, if the, the, any country, any third world country wants to engage in bad behavior, the, So sorry, I think we lost you again.
Paula. Yes. Hi. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, we lost you on the, the Pakistan issue. Should I should I repeat the Pakistan part or? Ah uh, yes, if you could. Yes, the uh, uh, the Islamic Republic's lesson from Pakistan is that. Uh, oh yeah, so I have to ask you because I, I think I lost your. I, I did not hear the question. Can I can I please send the question one more time? Sure thing. Uh, how does America's flight from Afghanistan affect Iran's calculations and behaviors? Yes. Uh, Iran has learned that it is possible to defeat the United States in proxy warfare. The United States was defeated politically because Pakistan has waged a two decades long proxy warfare against the United States. That war took place in Afghanistan and the United States lost. One of the reasons that the United States lost is that the United States did not want to punish a nuclear armed state. And that obviously is Pakistan. So Iran's lesson number two, apart from efficacy of proxy warfare, is that it is also a desirable uh, uh, thing for any third world country to possess a nuclear deterrence uh, if you want to challenge US interests in the region. All right, thank you. From Stephen Orlo, how much of a concern is Israel to the Iranian regime? How does Iran view itself militarily in a conflict with Israel? The Islamic Republic is fearful of Israel because Israel is practically a fortress. And it is also a garrison state, meaning that the citizenry is willing and capable of defending itself. Now, in that sense, there is a big difference between, let's say, uh, the Arab allies of the United States in the Persian Gulf region and Israel. Israel is a garrison state and a fortress, but those Arab states are you know, relatively uh, vulnerable states. Uh, how many hours can Dubai survive without electricity, uh, without air conditioning, uh, without luxuries of life? Uh, what will happen if there are five uh, suspicious uh, arson attacks against luxury hotels in Dubai. Uh, so these countries are extremely vulnerable to, to, to uh, potential Iranian aggression. Israel is not. And by the way, Israel is a nuclear armed state. Iran is not. Uh, in, in those senses, yes, Iran is extremely fearful of Israel uh, and is trying to compensate for the military superiority of Israel by trying to open up new fronts against Israel, try to uh, build, for example, a missile deterrence so that Israel uh, shows some Sorry, we lost that last point. <laughs> Iran can never achieve uh, uh, immunity uh, uh, and uh, total deterrence against Israel because Israel is a nuclear armed state and Iran is not. But Iran is trying to uh, build a uh, some kind of a, a deterrence, uh, for example, by strengthening its missile program. Wonderful, thank you. From Merdad Kansari. 
While acting tough, does the new Iranian president at this time need some sanctions relief to deal with increasing domestic economic and other problems that have resulted in unprecedented protest? Will he not see a new deal? I do believe that the Islamic Republic desires a new deal, but I am skeptical that the United States would give uh, the kind of uh, concessions that the current US administration is, is asking for, particularly if the United States cannot see Iran deliver such concessions. Thank you. Uh, from Isaac Cohen, if no GC JCPOA is signed, is Iran concerned of an Israeli military attack to destroy its nuclear facilities? Uh, the Islamic Republic is always concerned about that, and, and there have always been, you know, the, in, the, in, the, in the past years, there have been very, very serious cyber attacks against Iran's uh, nuclear program. So yes, that certainly is something that Iran is fearing, uh, and Iran would fear that even if there is uh, a JCPOA. Uh, so Israel is a constant issue. Iran, uh, Iran and Israel are regional rivals, uh, and, and, and uh, that, that problem did not be solved in, 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 in the short term. Uh, the only way that Iran and Israel can find an accommodation uh, in the Middle East region is if there is a, a, an enemy, uh, a country which is both the enemy of the Islamic Republic and of Israel. Uh, in the past, we have seen very good and sensible cooperation between Iran and Israel. Throughout the first eight years, of uh, the history of the Islamic Republic, Iran and Israel cooperated with each other covertly. Uh, Iran imported uh, American spare parts for its uh, military uh, uh, through Israeli middlemen and, and the Israeli government. Uh, so it is not impossible to imagine uh, a return to that kind of cooperation at some point. But what Iran and Israel need in order to achieve that degree of cooperation is a shared enemy. If there is no shared enemy, it's difficult to imagine it. Understood. Thank you. From Brian Cox, how is the relative strength and resolve of the Biden administration viewed by the Iranian regime? Will this encourage an even greater level of aggression by Iran? Uh, I am expecting the Islamic Republic to uh, behave in a more confrontational way. And it is not necessarily related to uh, the behavior and statements of President Biden and the Biden administration, but it has everything to do with the strategic lessons learned by Iran. The lesson that you can win in a proxy war, the lesson that you can persevere under severe economic sanctions regime, the lesson that the population can be suppressed in an effective way, and the lesson that you can even mismanage a pandemic and still survive. Uh, and by the way, the lesson that the United States under President Trump did not defend its allies. So why should this administration do such a thing? It is not just the Biden administration. It is the general experience that Iran has had for, for the past almost 10 years, which guide Iran towards uh, adopting a more confrontational Okay. And you, you mentioned that, that Iran has survived these things, the, the economic sanctions and all of that. 
Do you think that a longer maximum pressure campaign would have been more effective? How long can Iran really survive? That's a very good question. And if you, uh, whenever we confront the officials from the Trump administration, this is exactly the argument that they're mentioning, that had uh, President Trump uh, gotten four more years in office, uh, the Islamic Republic would come to the negotiating table uh, and would, would, would surrender. Now, the problem with uh, counterfactual uh, speculations uh, is that there will also be some other factors that we need to take into consideration. Uh, would Russia and China allow the Islamic Republic to collapse? Or would they increase their support to the Islamic Republic to deny victory to the Trump administration? No. This is the problem when you have a multipolar world or near multipolar world with great powers whose interests do not necessarily align with the interests of the United States. So even if President Trump had gotten four more years in office, we may have seen more Chinese oil imports from Iran. After all, if the Trump administration is simultaneously waging economic warfare against China and Iran, why should China not help Iran survive that maximum pressure campaign? Thank you. Uh, so Iran basically diversified after the, the oil sanctions. Carrie Hildebrand asks, can you address the Iranian involvement in the drug trade in the Northern Triangle? Uh, I cannot answer that question uh, uh, because the, the remarkable thing is that uh, of all the sanctions that the United States has imposed against the Islamic Republic, uh, uh, drug narcotic related sanctions are not among them. So if there was serious cases of Islamic Republic systematic engagement in uh, narcotics uh, trade, why were no sanctions imposed uh, on, on the Islamic Republic during the Trump administration? It would have been obvious and a, a very easy one. Uh, so uh, I, I do not have access to classified information, uh, but I do suspect that there, there probably are not, you know, there, there's not documentation enough to document such an engagement. Thank you. And Paul Saken asks, will Iran try to destroy Israel completely, either by nuclear weapons or conventional arms? Sorry, we already passed the Israel topic, but let's go back for a minute. No, but th thank you for the question. You know, so, so first of all, uh, I, I think the uh, esteemed questioner believes that the Islamic Republic is a, a principled regime, you know, a regime believing its own propaganda. Now, I don't believe that. You know, I believe that the Islamic Republic and the leadership of the Islamic Republic are extremely corrupt. Why would they try to uh, destroy Israel, which already possesses uh, nuclear arms? These people are more interested in the heavenly paradise that they have in Tehran, rather than the theoretical paradise, which they may get access to in, in the next world. So, so, so a corrupt regime uh, is not necessarily uh, uh, that ideological. Uh, I don't see them trying to destroy Israel with, with, with any kind of weapons. Uh, but I do see the relationship between Iran and Israel, uh, just like the relationship between France and Germany uh, until the end of World War II, 
or, or Spain and Great Britain, you know, in the 16th century. And I can just go on and on. These are two regional powers competing with each other. Uh, and they have disagreements. They have two different visions for the Middle East. And Iran has been trying to contain Israel and contain Israeli influence in the Middle East region. And it has not been a particularly successful policy. We have seen Israel normalizing its relations with the Arab countries. And I suspect that you know, at some point, at some point, not now, but at some point, Iran and Israel will also normalize their relations. As I said, Grand Ayatollah Khomeini, the founder of the Islamic Republic, and Mr. Khamenei himself, who currently is the leader, all of them were involved in uh, secret deals with Israel from 1979, actually, until 19, 1988. During the time that Islamic Republic was holding American diplomats hostage, Iran was buying arms and spare parts from Israel. And the US government was very upset. President Carter was upset that Israel was selling arms to Iran. So, so, so these countries, yes, there's plenty of propaganda, but I'm not entirely sure that they believe in the propaganda they are delivering to the masses. Thank you so much for that explanation. Um, in, in our last few minutes here, can you just uh, tell us possibly what the US could do to deal with Iran, especially given these four points you've made? So first of all, I hope that the United States manages to devise a comprehensive strategy for Sorry, we lost you at the start of that. Second thing is that the United States also needs to find out what it wants from Iran and what it is capable of delivering. Is the United States, for example, capable of delivering meaningful sanctions uh, released in return for meaningful Iranian concessions in those negotiations? And can the United States, and not only this administration, but also the elites of the Republican Party, can they ever agree on Also, at states, the president and the cabinet ministers of the United States actually mean something. If uh, unfortunately, we're we're missing most of this. I'm so sorry, we actually missed most of your answer. We're at the half hour, so uh, I'm so sorry we missed that, that very important <laughs> information on uh, what the US can do, but unfortunately we've come to the close of our webinar. I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties. This was a last minute change. Um, but thank you again uh, to Mr. Alphane for joining us today, and thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a great weekend.